Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Ramirez, and welcome to the Hit List Podcast, a podcast where many guests cross off films from our watch list and discuss them. This is the season six premiere. Yes, we're here for another season because apparently I like doing this and you like to listen too. Today, I'm joined by none other than the YouTuber Vanessa, aka Once Upon a Reaction. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for being on the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me. So, before we get started, I have two questions for you. Okay.、Uh, What are your viewing habits when you sit down to watch a movie? Do you stick to your favorites or do you watch something new? It depends on my mood. You know, if I'm sad, I need to watch something that I already watched and I know that it's going to make me laugh and have a great time. But sometimes I'm like, I want to discover something here. So、oh, it depends. Yeah, it depends. It depends. Okay. I'm very curious as to what the movie bit. We'll get to that later.、Um, <laughs> okay. So, what's something about you that people would be surprised to know?、Uh, that I'm from Colombia. <laughs> Nobody knows that. See, I, I like, would have thought. Where are you from? I would have, I would have thought Bolivia, you know? But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colombia with O. What's something else? Because like, I feel like that's kind of like, eh.、Uh, something else. Oh, I don't know. I, I think I'm an open book. Like. <laughs> For me, honesty is the, the main, my main value. So I try to be as honest as possible.、Mm-hmm. So you don't like it when people lie to you? No. Okay, I would never lie to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty good catching lies, so. That's good. That's good to have. It's the Colombian in you. Not really. <laughs> I'm very good at lying, too. That's the Colombian in me. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I'll watch out. Um, but I hope with this next question I have for you af- after <laughs> discuss everything is, I hope you hope you tell me the truth behind this film、okay. choice. So the film today that that we'll be discussing is The Room. The Room is a 2003 American independent romantic drama film written, produced, executive produced, and directed by Tommy Wiseau, who stars in the film alongside Juliette Danielle and Greg Sestero. Set in San Francisco, the film is centered around a melodramatic love triangle between amiable banker Johnny, his deceptive fiance Lisa, and his conflicted best friend Mark. This film was on Vanessa's watch list. Vanessa, why was this on your list and why would you make me watch this? <laughs> was it that bad? <laughs> you, you know why. <laughs> you know why this was on your list. <laughs> yeah, because. I've always heard this movie is so bad, it's good. And it's such a weird conception. Like, what, what do you mean?、Uh, and then I knew that he wrote it, he directed it, he, he started it. Like, he did everything. So I think it's pretty awesome. You know,、uh, uh, I started dramatic arts and I'm involved in filmmaking sometimes, but I, I'm just help, like in art or in something like that. And I noticed how difficult it is to. to Take the command and, and do everything. So it's kind、mm-hmm. of impressive, but, but, but I also heard it's really bad. So I have to watch it at some point. It's like, I need to. It's pop culture. <laughs> so were you familiar with like the memes? Yeah, of course. But <laughs> I didn't know it was a, a, a romantic kind of movie. What? I didn't know that. I, I thought it was some like a psychedelic film or something like that. <laughs> So, what were your first impressions when you were watching? It's like confusion. It's like, what, what is going on? And I, I see the memes and it's like, what? 
I don't understand anything. And I, I saw like the references in The Simpsons and other movies and it's like, I don't understand anything about this movie. Like there is not a single clue about the plot other than it's a really bad film. So it's like, how bad can it be? Because I've seen bad films. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all seen some bad films, but this one's just like on another <laughs> level, you know? And really? Like, oh my God. Like the first nine minutes, they haven't even left the room. I'm like, oh my God, is this the room? That is been- <laughs> is this That's the room? why it's called the room, you know? <laughs> and it's like they like it's like the first love scene it's like oh my god it's still going oh my god and we see his really? bare butt oh my god i'm like we don't need to see this like what why is this necessary to the plot you know usually usually there are like there are rules to cinema right yeah i don't think i don't think he knew any of them and i don't think he cared <laughs> Because that's I'm, why that's why the movie's so famous, you know? <laughs> exactly. And that, that's part of the charm. <laughs> and it also applies to the, the time that it came out, you know? Because it was 2003. Nobody was used to see something like that. Right now, we see more films like it with some scenes that are like, why do I need to see this? <laughs> <laughs> HBO. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hey, 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 it's different because it's HBO. It's classy. <laughs> it's classy. It's better and lighting. No, no, but it's classy. It's better lighting. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen the film, so I can't say. <laughs> what else went through your mind when you were watching this? Like, what's your... What stuck out to you the most? I don't know. It's pure confusion. Like, I, I don't have any idea. Like, and the acting, though, right? I've seen so many memes, uh, um, some random scenes, like, what? <laughs> Describe one of them. De- describe. One, just one. Uh, I don't know. He was, like, screaming in a balcony or something. I, it was so insane. And it was supposed to be, like, an emotional scene, but it was so <laughs> cringy. Was it the one where, like, he's like, I did not hit her. I did not. That's bullshit. I did not hit her. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. The thing that I'm I was so bewildered about was just one of the characters, Denny. You, you remember Denny? Like the cause I didn't know how old he was supposed to be and he was just there to be kinda like a creep. He's like, Hey guys, can I join? <laughs> and then Tommy's like no not, not Tommy, but Johnny's like, <laughs> you know, you know, two's a couple, three's a crowd. Okay, I'll guess I'll leave. I have homework to do. Who is this kid? <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> is, is he like 15 23 i don't know they never established this until like when the movie's almost over it's like oh yeah you know he's in college Tom, uh, johnny helped him out he's paying for his school he's paying for his apartment but i hate him i don't love him anymore <laughs> so weird if you if you had to tell someone else about this movie what would you say i don't have an idea watch it because he's so bad he's good and he's famous for it you Just, have to experience it. If you had to try, though, if you, if it if your life depended on it, if you had to say like, just try to describe the plot just a little bit, what what would you say? Whoa! I will die. <laughs> you can, you can try. You can try. Come on, I believe in you. Mm. It's about a guy. 
<laughs> who has some troubles. Okay. What does he do for a living? Something. <laughs> <laughs> He's a banker. Really? Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't know otherwise. <laughs> oh my god. A banker. <laughs> okay. What's okay. going on? What's going on in his life? Does he have relationships? He had a fiance. He has a fiance. Yeah. Is it a, is it a good relationship? No. Why? Because he's toxic. It's toxic. How how toxic is it? Level God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I was wondering because the mom, like the fiance's mom, who's in this movie. She said, well, the results came back. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> and it never comes up. But there, I, I was watching this movie. And I'm like, does anyone realize how bad this movie is? You guys have to realize how bad this movie is. And then later on, you start seeing like the, gra- the, the mother. She's like getting more angry. She's like, what is going on here? I'm like, yes, thank you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I don't know. And she's just like yelling, and the scene that still fascinates me because it's probably the best best performance in the whole movie <laughs> is when they're on the roof, and Denny's like playing mm-hmm. basketball for some reason on the roof, and then this <laughs> drug dealer just come up. His name is Chris R, not Chris. Chris R. He's <laughs> like, "Hey, Denny, where's my money? Hey, Chris R, um, it's coming. Denny, where's my fucking money?" <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy and he he actually like seems very intimidating you know like i would be scared that this guy came up to me asking for for his money uh and i was surprised to know that that was that guy's first acting job (laughs) and he did such a good job yeah he did something else after that no what a shame (laughs) it's such a huge shame and it's like this dude, like he he came on there, he he got the job done, like his rent was due, <laughs> he got paid to do that one role, and then he left. And uh, because sometimes you can see a good actor when with roles like that, when you see like they don't have anything else to say, so it's up to that line to prove what you made of. So, do you think there are any like redeeming qualities with the movie with the room? The effort, like he did everything, so it's like nice try, dude. I applaud that. <laughs> That's you true. should have I... tried to do something else and get better and better because. But apparently, I heard he's gonna make another movie for next year, something like that, and the plot is something really too. I I don't remember sharks or um, maybe I'm I'm yeah. crazy, but it it sounds so insane that it's like after twenty something years, you're still gonna do something as bad or worse than the room? Are you kidding me? It's called dedication. No, it's called like <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know stubbornness. Ah, that's another word for dedication. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so, not in a good way. <laughs> Do you think there are any hidden messages within the room? Like, out of all the nonsense from the script, what do you think was, like, the message behind the movie? I don't know. I think he was trying to show 
something about a relationship between two friends because <laughs> you know he had a fiance and she cheated on him with his best friend so it sounds like a some popera you know mm-hmm. <laughs> something so basic but i think well if i see that synopsis by myself i would say i will say or i will focus on the relationship between the best friends because damn yeah i i personally think it's a little like autobiographical if that makes sense really i don't know anything about the guy so i i, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know <laughs> so the guy who played mark um his name is greg sestero uh-huh. and he wrote a book about the whole experience behind the whole film i don't think i do i have it here with me okay i don't have it here with me but he wrote a book called the, the Disaster Artist behind how he met Tommy and how the movie was made. And oh. I think the making of the movie is more interesting than the movie itself, you know? So as oh. fascinating as it is to experience the room, I genuinely believe that the making of the film is much more interesting. For yeah. example, this movie was made for $6 million. What? Right? Right. How do you waste six million dollars in that? Like, what and is the, the money? I don't see it. The, the the craziest part though is they don't know how he got the money to make that. He's he was already rich before that, but they don't know what he did for a living before that. He still doesn't say he he doesn't like talking about his private life, and it's like because like the first time he met um met Greg, they were in like an acting class, and then he hung out like to do scenes together, right? Yeah. And then when he picked him up from his place, he was driving like a BMW. He's like, hey, nice car, man. No, I don't think it was a BMW. I think it was a Mercedes, you know? Huh. And he's like, oh, nice car, dude. He's like, no, don't don't talk about me. He's like, what? Don't talk about me or my car to anyone in class. Okay. Oh, don't don't worry, dude. Okay. <laughs> wow. You nailed it with the accent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. Is it just a book? They should make a TV it, show about it. No, it's so it's crazy because like the book was then adapted into a movie with James oh. Franco and David Franco. So James Franco played Tommy and then David Franco played... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, I haven't seen that film, but yeah. Yeah, yes, it's, I remember it's, it's based it. on that. It's based on the book that... Yeah, ah. and I saw it. And it's, like, really funny, but, like, um, there's some things that... It's like, they have a lot of celebrities in that movie. And honestly, it's kind of hard for me to discuss, like, the production and the, the film first I and mean, then the production because it's just so kind of entwined in my mind because I was doing research about it. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead into it because I find it really interesting. Like, oh if you have any, Do you have anything else to discuss about the movie before we, I move on to production? No. No? Okay. No. You're like, no. We're, we're, I'm ready. Let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. that's the first time I heard about The Room when they were advertising James Franco's per- performances right. in that film. Yeah. That was the first time I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so... I want to talk about first how Greg first met Tommy. Like, like I said, they met in acting class um, back in the nineties. He was nineteen. Greg was nineteen. Uh, Tommy didn't say how old he was, but it's believed he was like in his forties or thirties um, or forties, whatever. Oh. Um, Greg was very shy. He was very insecure about his performances. Like, bit. He saw Tommy perform his stuff. Like even though they were really bad, it was just like it didn't. It didn't make sense what he was doing. He did it with such confidence that he's like, "I have to do a scene with him," 
like just to get him <laughs> out of his shell. And so when they, as I saw in the movie, you know, I'm not sure if it's exactly how it happened because I didn't finish the whole book. They're in a diner, and he says, "Okay, let's do a scene right now." You know, <laughs> like what? Right here, right in front, like in front, they're at a diner and like front of, full of people in there. It's like, yeah, don't don't think about these people, okay? This you and me, all right? Only you and me. Don't worry about them. <laughs> and then they do the scene. They just like make a whole a whole scene basically. Like they're just really loud and obnoxious, and people are like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you got this show for free. You're welcome." <laughs> wow, the confidence, right? And their friendship kind of blossomed from there, and it's weird because like Greg was like kind of getting like you know calls back to do like modeling and acting jobs.、Um, they moved to Los Angeles together, but the thing is that he didn't know this that Tommy was able to afford. Two apartments, one in Los Angeles and one in San Francisco. And he says, "Come on, let's go to LA. I have an apartment there. You have an apartment in LA? How long? Oh, many years now. I haven't been there in a long time. I'm, I'm like, how do you have an apartment in two very expensive cities? And and he doesn't even he didn't even go to LA. And then they go there. Like he paid for Tommy to like he paid for his classes, if I can recall correctly. He paid for him to move in, move in with him." To go to、wow. LA because he really believed that they both could like make it, and Tommy was like, not Tommy, Greg. He got he was in the movie Gattaca with um Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, but、oh. only as an extra. And I'm like, yo, but, that's really but impressive. But that's something, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I wish I had a job as an extra. <laughs> yeah, so you know, being an actor, like making a living as an actor, is very very difficult.、Mm-hmm. There are very.、Yeah. If I remember correctly, only one percent of actors are able to make a living out of just acting. That's a exactly rough.、Oh. It's rough out there. So he would always get like you know auditions, but like not really get that many jobs. And Tommy had less success doing it because he's very odd. You know, feel <laughs> he's kind of difficult to work with. He doesn't really take direction well. <laughs> <laughs> And so he decided to just write、um, a play. Called the room, and it was originally written as a play in 2001, and then he did, adapted it into a book that was a 540-page book, but he was not able to get it published, so he decided to adapt it into a movie. He decided to produce it himself so that he could retain creative control, and wow, that was some creativity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, to this day, no one knows how he got the money to both fund the movie and. Produce it and market it, but he was already independently wealthy before he made the movie. But we sh- we just don't know how he made his money. You know, people involved with the film, like the cast and crew, they were worried that it was a money laundering scheme to for like <laughs> organized crime. And Greg was like, "No, I know this dude. He is not a criminal whatsoever." <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny because like during the whole process, um. Their relationship got kind of a little strained because, like, Greg had a、um, thought, got a girlfriend in L.A., and like it kind of drew them both apart. You know, like he wanted to spend time with his girlfriend. Yeah. So Tommy didn't really like that. He wanted to do. He wanted to like become an actor with a friend. You know, he felt like the Amber,、um, the name of Greg's girlfriend at the time, was kind of、mm-hmm. like just splitting them apart, and it's like. You can kind of understand that, you know, like you see that in like almost a lot of, in a lot of, a lot of relationships where like、yeah. two best friends gr- get a, grow apart because of like someone got like oh you got a girlfriend you got a boyfriend whatever like uh、uh-uh. uh we were homies man 
We were homies. <laughs> but yeah, so he spent six million dollars on the movie, and according to Greg, it's because he made so many poor decisions behind this film. I'm gonna, I'm gonna list them because it's just it's nonsensical. So he built sets for scenes that could have been used on location. So like that alley, that rooftop. There were places that looked exactly like them that were really close by to the set. But he decided not to do it because this is real Hollywood movie. We're going to use sets. We're not going to use actual locations. Yes. Oh, they my could, God. The alley outside the set, like literally outside the door, looked exactly the same as the alley they built for the set. But he decided not to use it. And that, oh, my. Ooh, <laughs> and he decided to purchase like the cameras instead of renting them which is a very stupid decision because cameras are always improving like every if you buy a camera like this year it's going to be obsolete within a a couple years he decided to buy them all of them (laughs) the guy who who, the studio he he bought the equipment from let him let them use the studio so like he's like okay we'll let you buy it you just have to use our studio okay that's fine like honestly he helped them out right there (laughs) (laughs) And wow, they had to film scenes multiple times using different sets. Like, you know, that drug dealer scene they used, they yeah. shot that first in the alleyway and then they shot it on the roof, you know. And he built he built his own personal bathroom on set. Really? Oh, my God. Like, he actually, like, had, like, pipes running like, it was, there's a set, and, like, you know, usually the bathroom's out of the way, you know. No, no, he built the bathroom on the set. And you know what separated the... bananas. You know what separated the, the bathroom from the set? Yeah. A curtain. Are you serious? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, oh, I'd even say, like, the best part. So, um... He want he decided to shoot both on film and digital. And Why? <laughs> he didn't he didn't he didn't understand the difference between both of them, but he wanted to be the first one to do it. But there's no need to do it, you know. Like, it's either it's one or the other, you know. And it didn't even matter in the end, um, because he eventually just used the 35 millimeter film, because because uh-huh. he, he, well, he's here's the thing. Um, it's just stressful stressful for like someone like me i guess for you too um for like a filmmakers because they're two completely different cameras cuz you need to light them differently mm-hmm. and you had so you had to have two different crews to operate the different cameras and you had to light you had to have two different lighting sets just for each camera wow so you can see how like it's adding up to 6 million dollars you know and <laughs> Now I can see where's the money. <laughs> <laughs> so he also had like, he would always forget his lines that will result in them like doing like 67 takes for one line. Uh, I'm not sure how long that rooftop scene is where he comes into the roof. He says, I did not hit her. I did not. That's bullshit. I did not hit her. Oh, hi, Mark. In the movie, The Disaster Artist, he did that 67 times before he got it. But I'm not sure how it was in real life. But it feels like <sighs> that was kind of close to what was happening. Oh, my and God. Let me see. What else? What else did he do? Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty much what helped him rack up the bill. And he also kept firing people, too. 
Oh my god. Oh, I didn't even say the best part. So, Greg didn't want to be in the movie. He helped him like produce the film. He helped him with the auditions. You know, yeah. Um, he he was very honest with him. It's like he didn't really want to be in the film. But then, like the day before they filmed, uh, Tommy's like, "You have to do a movie with me. Come on, you have to. It's it's for you. I built. I made it for you." It's like, no, Tommy. You, we already have Don because they ha- they already hired someone else to be in the movie to play Mark, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, "How about I pay you and give you car?" He's like, "How how much would you pay me?" And he didn't say the number, but he said it was enough for him to not worry about working for like an entire year. He's like, "Wow, that's a lot." Wow. <laughs> and he needed a new car too. And <laughs> he's like, "Okay, I'll do it." The night before they filmed, <laughs> the first day of filming, and this is the just just the first chapter of the Disaster Artist. By the way, it's very interesting just to see all this happen. Wow, I have and to read that book. The way they the way they did this, because he didn't want to confront Don and say like you're fired. He had to find a reason to say it. He he just said like we just say producers want you to be shown. They just we just want to film stuff for you so producers can see you for scenes. So that he's like, we'll basically shoot you with the film and we'll shoot Mark with only video. And he's like, I'm pretty sure he was going to notice. <laughs> and that's basically what happened. Like the when first day of filming, they're already four hours late. <laughs> Everyone's already there. And Tommy's like, okay, everyone get to work. Come on, what are you guys doing standing around? This is Hollywood movie. Come on. And everyone's pissed at him <laughs> because he's four hours late and then automatically yelling at them for doing uh, doing their job when he's the one that should have showed up in the first place. He's a director after uh-huh. all. And yeah, it's just so crazy how like Don's there. And he's like, and then Tommy's like finding like just like excuses to fire this guy. You know, <laughs> it was really, really funny and very uncomfortable for everyone. He told the cameraman, the camera's like, oh my god <laughs> he did it but it was just really uncomfortable for them wow uh, that's just part one that's good oh my god so so far i guess you could kind of see how six million dollars was racked up yeah it's kind of amazing how he got that money I... like if I... oh if i had that money I wouldn't make one movie. I'd make six movies, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, but a normal activity, the first one was like 15,000. Exactly. What? Oh my God. <laughs> I would have made like 20 films with that. Exactly. With $6 million. And I would just uh, taking the money to, to live without worries. <laughs> you know what's funny? Because Greg what? was uncomfortable filming the six scenes. So Tommy allowed him to keep his jeans on while shooting them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. It's it's really funny the ages of some of the character of the actors here because Denny, who's supposed to be like a teenager, I guess, is twenty six. He's the oldest out of all of them except for Tommy. Mm-hmm. And um juliet who plays lisa she was 20 <laughs> and he they're like supposed to be like together for like seven years like uh, uh what <laughs> and greg was like what 23 24 at the time oh my god <laughs> so it's just, like they didn't fit the characters you know if if they were actually getting like 
casted correctly, Juliet should have been older. She should have at least been like late thirties, you know. But no, they. <laughs> the reason why Juliet was there is because um, she was originally one of the three or four understudies for the character. Um, because the original actress left the production and then, uh, they just cast her there because that's kind of like how it happened, you know, because like apparently the original actress didn't have the personality to fit the character. Um, but it's like, does anyone in this movie have the personality to fit their character? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know how I said, um, he kept firing people. Yeah. So he had like a lot of problems with the, the behind the camera people, like people who shoot behind the scenes. And he claims to have replaced the entire crew four times. And he assigned multiple responsibilities to several crew members. Um, so like the like Greg, he was the line producer, but he also helped with casting and assisted on Tommy. So he just get, gave people like multiple jobs at the same time. And... <laughs> He, he kept forgetting lines, right? And he had to dub it in in post-production. It's kind of obvious, you know? It's uh-huh. like, they had to like record it later on. And there's some people like who think the movie's kind of semi-autobiographical about Tommy's own life. That They think there's there was an actual Lisa, you know? And she yeah. actually betrayed him. And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it, the character Denny is a little bit based on his relationship with um Greg because he did pay for his like living, you know, he he did. Yeah. And I I think it's just a way of how Tommy kind of views the world a little bit. <sighs> like just one day out of nowhere, your fiance doesn't love you anymore. It's like, are you sure there was anything behind that? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no other reason. <laughs> yeah. She just woke up saying, oh, I don't want to be with him anymore. Like, I don't love him anymore. Yeah. Here was Here's Greg's, like, initial reaction to the room's script. Here's what he said. <sighs> Tommy's life study of human interaction had been put into a final draft blender and sprinkled with the darkness of whatever he'd been living through over the last nine months. The one thing Tommy's script wasn't about, despite his character's pl- claims, love. I had a sobering, sad, and powerful realization. Our friendship was the most human experience Tommy had had in the last few years, maybe ever. The happy news was that whatever Tommy had been running from, he managed to turn and face it down in his script. Instead of killing himself, he wrote himself out of danger. He did this by making his character Johnny, the one spotless human being amid chaos, lies, and infidelity. Very interesting. Especially the part that says instead of killing himself, he he wrote everything he was feeling. He wrote himself as Mm -hmm. he wanted to be. Yeah, it's a very healthy way to... Exactly. And I guess we do that. We we put our darkness into the art to 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 make it better. So it's not inside of it's it's outside. Yeah. It's called a metaphor, kids. There are you know inexplic- inexplicable mood and personality shifts in characters. You know, one day someone's cool and the next day they're hot out of nowhere for no reason. Such as in the first scene when um Johnny enters the rooftop, you know, being accused of domestic abuse. Only to become tre- cheerful when he sees Mark, and then a few moments later, he laughs when Mark discusses like the girl who got beat up by her boyfriend. It's like, oh yeah, this girl, she was with like twelve guys, and then when her boyfriend found out, 
He beat her up so bad she went to the hospital. He's like, ah, Mark, what kind of story is that? <laughs> That's the importance of feedback. Sharing your work to hear feedback <laughs> and correct those mistakes. And here's the thing. On the set, both Greg and the script supervisor, Sandy Sinclair, they repeatedly tried to convince him like to stop laughing. Like That's not something to laugh at. Like Why would you care to laugh about something that he was just being accused of. Yeah. But he kept laughing, like, for the scene, for the sake. He couldn't take the direction. And <laughs> there's, like, uh, other inconsistencies and flaws with the script and the characters, such as, like, later in the film, Mark attempts to kill Peter by throwing him off a roof for accusing him, um, for, like, realizing he's having an affair with Lisa. And then seconds later, Peter forgives him, and they forget about it. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, oh my god, it is insane. Okay, I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> that one that one sticks with me. That's the one that stuck out of the whole movie. It's so bad that it's funny. It makes it's it funny. Like, well, how would you be so cheerful about it? I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> Maybe she wanted to die all along. Oh my god. Uh I'm going to talk about the release of the film. Oh, yeah. I'm very curious about it. Like, how it this is, performed on theaters. Or, it wasn't is, on theater, right? It was. And it's very okay. funny. Um, I'm okay. Talk, so, he, according to Greg Sistero, Tommy submitted the film to Paramount Pictures, hoping to get them as a distributor. And usually, it takes them about two weeks to get a reply. Guess how long it took them to get rejected. One day. It's 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hell no. <laughs> so the movie was promoted almost exclusively for a single billboard in Hollywood located on oh. Highland Avenue, just north of Fountain Avenue, featuring like that, that, that poster of Tommy's yeah. face that he refers to as evil man. Like Tommy himself <laughs> refers to that photo as evil man. <laughs> um, just like extreme close up of his face and there was more conventional artwork, artwork made for the film but he decided to not use that because he just thought it looked better and <laughs> the, people who saw it thought it was going to be a horror movie because when you first see the poster <laughs> it looks like a horror it's movie it's creepy I right? know, I know. he looks like no. he'd be like the villain you know he looks like he's doing some stuff in a room like oh they'll go to the yeah. room I don't know. The first time I saw that poster, I thought it was kind of like a, a version of Frankenstein. I don't right. know because of the visual. I was like, what is this? A remake? Hold on. Do you want to see my dog real quick? Yeah. I'll be right back. He's knocking <laughs> at my door. <laughs> oh, so cute. His name is Pirolin. Pirolin? Uh, oh, so Sorry. cute. You can see his legs. <laughs> yeah, he's small. I have a chihuahua named Chloe. What was that? Uh, I have a chihuahua named Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, oh my gosh. Like the movie, the Disney movie from like 10 years ago. Beverly Hills Chihuahua? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How old is your dog? Dude. Ten years. 
Ten years. Wow. Mine is, mine is three years old. Aww. He's a little puppy. He's so young. He's still, he still he he barks a lot. You know? <laughs> it's so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when someone is knocking at your door. Yeah. Whenever I take him out for walks. That's oh like, yes. Oh, it's like you're walking with a an alarm, you know? With, with like a little demon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like he Yeah. He always like wants to start a fight with the big dogs, be scared of the little dogs. Yeah, 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 exactly. My neighbors call her the beast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna put him down. Okay, okay. Oh, 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 oh. Here we go. Go, go. All right. Where was I? We were talking about the room, artwork, horror movie. He looked yeah, like Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to know how long it was in theaters? A week. Two weeks, actually. Oh, almost. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. He had to pay to leave it up there because he wanted it to leave it up for two weeks because he wanted to have like a qualify for the Academy Awards. Wow. Oh. <laughs> that is the definition of believing in yourself. <laughs> That's like... Wow. And <laughs> so um that billboard, he kept it up for five years at the cost of five thousand dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. And it's it became it became its own like tourist attraction because they eventually got because <laughs> you know word got around, you know. Cause he, the thing about the movie is that like they had to leave it up, but like they had to put like a note underneath the post that says no refunds. <laughs> 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 and then these two film students saw it and they're like, oh, we have to see it. Cause like one of the reviews was like, <laughs> watching this movie is like getting stabbed in the back multiple times. <laughs> and like we had to go see it now. So like they, able, they were able to like, exactly. That, for them, they, yeah. Yeah. For Sometimes them, they, it got popular. The reviews are so bad that that you're like it can't be that bad so you watch it so it's what is the saying like there is no bad, bad publicity <laughs> yeah there's no such thing as bad publicity yeah so on this is almost two, yeah it's 20 years ago it premiered on june 27 2003 at the lamel fairfax and fallbrook theaters in los angeles and was out arranged for a screening for the cast and the press at one of the venues, renting a searchlight to sit in front of the theater and arriving in limousine. And ticket buyers were given a free copy of the film's soundtrack on CD, which, of all the things in the movie, I actually liked the soundtrack. The soundtrack was actually pretty good. Uh, actress Robin Paris described the audience laughing at the film. And the Variety reporter Scott Foundis, who was also in attendance, would later write that the film prompted quote, most of its viewers to ask for the money back before even 30 minutes had passed, unquote. And, wow. You know, it was unanimously panned by critics. Like, critics hated the movie because, <laughs> of course, they did, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. But it, it, it asks the question, like, should, like, this guy who wrote for The Atlantic in 2013, Adam Rosen, he wrote an article entitled, Should Gloriously Terrible Movies Like The Room Be Considered Outsider Art? 
uh, where he made the arg argument that like the label of outsider art has traditionally applied to painters and sculptors, but it's hard to see why it couldn't also refer to Zhao or any other authoritative unself-aware filmmaker. Huh. Like, should it be considered art? I'm going to ask that to you, Vanessa. Like, do you think this movie should be considered art? Oh. It's difficult because... I think in some kind of twisted way it is because it 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 shows a single point of view like it shows a person behind it you you're kind of curious like why is this happening why 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 is this real so mm -hmm. it's yeah and if you compare to other types of art maybe you don't like it but there is a reason why is it there so, and it's a reason, there's a reason why after so many years we're talking about this film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think because we've all seen very bad movies that we never see again. I think part of the reason why this, I, it still appeals to me, even though I don't like the movie, it still appeals to me because you can tell that there is passion behind it. As terrible yeah. as it is, you can tell like he wrote it from his own heart. And he, yeah. like, there are movies like, what's the, what's it called? A Sharknado? which are uh -huh. bad movies on purpose, which I don't like. Because if you have the money to make a movie, why would you purposely make it bad, you know? Yeah. And it, but like with this one, he didn't intend for it for me to be terrible. He wanted it to be its own thing. He wanted it to be a drama. Although he failed, he didn't really do it for the money. He did it to express himself into like, you know... Exactly. Like, That's why I, he I guess wanted experience. all creative control. Yeah, he wanted. He to, wanted to tell, uh, to show a message. So, mm -hmm. I think that's pretty viable. Uh, and like you said, uh, out of all bad movies, that one stands out. It still stands out. So I don't know who said it, but someone said it's the Citizen Kane of bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> a lot of people say that you're going to make a movie in their life. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to make a movie. But not a lot of people get to do it because they're too afraid of what people think. Um, they make excuses for themselves. You know, I've done that myself as well many for many years. But to actually make a movie, it's a very hard thing to do just to get it done, you know? Uh, and to have the guts to send it to a big studio saying, I believe this this film is good. I don't care. I'm just going to show it to you. Yeah. That takes, yeah, that takes courage. It takes courage. It takes, you know, resources. It takes people putting your trust in people to get it made. And that's a very admirable thing to do for anyone to do. And so okay. this was his first film, and as terrible it is, it's like watching a car crash in real time, you know? <laughs> you can't look away. Culture, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't look away. It's fascinating in a twisted way. Exactly, exactly. You just have to admire it for what it is, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. So another thing that I just learned yesterday is that they're remaking The Room. What? To, to be released this year to coincide what? to coincide with 20 years of the room oh yeah it makes sense but really I yeah mean, is the is it's related to to the production yeah he is, is he's, he he's directing okay. it again 
I need to see that. Oh my well, god. Get gu- guess who's gonna be in the in the movie as as Johnny. It's James Franco. Oh, actually, that would have made sense, but he's he's uh, a creep. He's a creep, so no. Um, uh, <laughs> Bob Odenkirk. Oh my god. You know who he is, right? Yeah. Okay. Better call Saul. Saul Goodman is gonna play Johnny in the Room remake. Well, and that is actually quite interesting because he's such a good actor, and I guess he's gonna fight for his performance. He was also in the movie The Disaster Artist too. Oh really? Well, I yeah. have to see that film. I haven't, so it, it's oh really God. good. Okay, I was wrong. So Tommy's not gonna be directing it, but he did write it. Uh okay. Is and he involved in the production? Like as an executive producer or something? Uh, no, it doesn't look like it. It looks like a guy named Brando Crawford is. He's both directing and producing it. And hmm. you know who's going to play Mark this time? Yeah. Greg Sestero. He's coming back to play. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to redeem myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna uh, show that after 20 years, I'm a good actor. Yeah, and um, do you know Mike Flanagan? Oh. He's a filmmaker. He's done. He's done horror. He's done stuff for Netflix, like that haunting um, Bly Manor. Oh. Okay. He's gonna play Peter, the psychologist. Huh. Okay, that sounds pretty cool, though. Oh my and god. His wife, um, Kate Siegel, she's also acting in a lot of his movies. She's gonna play Claudette, the the mo- Lisa's mother. Wow. And I'm not familiar with her. I've I've seen her face before, but um, the woman who's gonna play Lisa is Bella Heathcote. Hmm. Um, she was in Dark Shadows. She was in the movie Pride and Prejudice and in, in Zombies. Oh. She was in the Neon Demon. I'm not too familiar with her. Me neither. Let me see. But wow. Yeah, it's impressive the impact of that film that is going to be remade 20 years later. If you watch The Disaster Artist, you're going to see a lot of celebrities are in that movie because it's that famous among people. So that concludes our conversation today. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for being here. I really appreciate you coming on here to discuss The Room, which was your idea, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> so was the room a hit or a miss with you i think over time it became kind of a hit <laughs> for me i'm guess i'm still gonna have to say it was a miss you know like i think what i like even more about the movie I, I don't like the movie but i do like the making of the movie more than the movie itself so sorry behind it yeah <laughs> yeah so I, it is what it is i guess <laughs> yes so, so is there anything you'd like to promote here where can we follow you on social media um follow me on my youtube channel called once upon a reaction where i do reactions and reviews of movies classic films and any kind of film really so check it out <laughs> did you do back to the future yeah yeah i know because i saw it <laughs> to share <laughs> okay 
That's it for today, folks. You've been listening to the Hit List Podcast. This was Season 6, Episode 1. My name is Jason. Until next time, cross off a new film from your list. And then I think I'm supposed to wave goodbye. Right? Yeah, there we go. Hold on, wait. Yeah, there we go. <laughs>